Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. And welcome to the latest episode of the Championship Roundtable. I'm your host, Jake Jackman, and you can reach the show by emailing us championshiproundtable at gmail.com. Hi, Andy Buckley Taylor representing Derby County on the podcast. You can catch me on Twitter at BookTaylor64. And I also now blog for the Derbyshire Times group of newspapers. Hi, I'm Russ Goldman. I'm representing Fulham Football Club for the podcast. You can reach me at Russ underscore Goldman on Twitter and also at Cottage Talk. And you can follow the show or listen to the show at blogtalkradio.com slash Cottage Talk. Thanks so much for joining us today, guys. We'll start making the rounds where each of us have a few minutes to discuss what's been happening at our club this week. We'll start with you, Andy. A mixed week for Derby. You put an end to the to the run, uh, run without a win at the weekend against Barnsley, but you did lose to Blackburn on Tuesday. So I guess mixed feelings after this week. Yeah, well, um, Blackburn, to be quite honest, the less said about it, the better. You know, there's been so many games on this winless run We've dominated play, but we just haven't been able to create, you know, much in front of goal. Um, Yesterday, I got to the stadium, pleasantly surprised that McLaren um, was going to try a different formation. Um, It was officially a 4-4-2. I think it actually played more like a 4-2-3-1. But my, my initial thoughts were, Nigel Pearson couldn't get the 4-4-2 to work. Was it a case of the players wouldn't play for him or that they, they were unable to play in, in a different formation? Well, yesterday they proved that they do not have to have a 4-3-3. Sorry for all the uh, figures. Um, but they, uh, they lined up um, a little bit makeshift in defence because both Richard Keogh and Jason Shackler are injured. So uh, with Chris Baird and Alex Pierce taking the uh, central defensive roles, um, then the four across midfield, two strikers, David Nugent and um, Matty Vidra started. They look very good together. They, they seem to work well off each other. And in fact... Um, David Nugent got the second goal and uh, Matty Vidra had a hand in it as well. And what is quite ironic, actually, is that um, had Darren Bent not been ill, he would have started the game. But what intrigues me is that Steve McLaren has stated that it was Johnny Russell who would have missed out if Darren Bent had been fit. So they thought, right, that's three central strikers. So, yet again, he was looking at playing somebody out of position. Anyway, Bent was ill. Um, the team lined up in a 4-4-2. They took a good half hour 
to actually uh, get to grips with it. And, uh, you know, they didn't look like scoring in that first half hour. But once they did, you know, they worked at it into the second half, gave away a soft goal. Barnsley had a throw in. It was nodded in easily in the box by an unmarked Matthew James. But uh, about two minutes later, we uh, we hit back through Tom Ince, who scored one with his right foot. And then we, we sort of like um, took over the game. Uh, we were the only side that looked likely to go on and win. We had a few uh, chances, one superbly saved by their goalkeeper. A, a couple were deflected over. But uh, the winning goal, as I say, Matthew Vida had a hand in it. And it was a typical David Nugent type strike, which he hit um, for the corner. It did take a deflection. It was going in anyway. And I was very impressed. That was, that's the best we've played in a, a long time. We've been able to uh, not let our heads drop, you know, when we've gone a, a goal down. We've stuck to the task. It worked. And, you know, hey, presto, have we suddenly got a plan B? But overall, fantastic performance. David Nugent, Matty Vidra and Chris Baird were absolutely immense yesterday. So, you know, we may be out of the playoff picture realistically now. But maybe other teams that are still looking to uh, gate crash them or some teams down the bottom will uh, be a little bit nervous about facing us because, uh, you know, we are, if we're not going to be in the playoffs, aiming to spoil a few team seasons. Yeah, I just want to ask you quickly on Steve McLaren because uh, he came in, in in quite a difficult position. You were, you were near the bottom of the table, weren't really scoring goals. Then you had that good run and now you've had this sort of poor run. What what are the sort of feelings towards him among the Derby fans? Um, overall, fans are saying you've got to give him the summer a chance to create the team which he wants, you know, let him make the purchases, let him offload players that he that don't have a future at Derby. And, you know, have a look at the situation again next Christmas. You, you, I mean, I don't for one minute believe we'll struggle uh, in the division whilst he's a manager, but whether he can find that little bit extra and... Uh, reach the promised land of the Premier League is another matter. There are one or two fans who are still grumbling, you know, that we we should never have reappointed him. I didn't want him back. Uh, but you've got to sort of look at it. Are we going to change manager yet again? Or are we going to give him that little bit of extra time? Because there's no doubt about it. When players are playing how he wants them to play, we, we're very good. But now he's seen that there is a, an alternative to 4-3-3. When teams are coming, there's so many teams. Burton Albion were a classic example. They put 11 men behind the ball and uh, tried to hit us on the counter. We wouldn't have scored if we'd, if we'd played all night. Well, now teams will see if we've got a little bit more versatility about the squad, their, their actual uh, tactics for playing us uh, might have to be adjusted. But, you know, I begrudgingly say give him till, give him till next Christmas.
Yeah, and moving on to Fulham now, Russ. Uh, the last time you came on, you, you talked about you were hopeful of getting into the playoff spots. 13 points from your last five matches have put you in a position where you're closing in on sixth position. What are your thoughts on the week at Fulham? It's been an interesting week. We are still five points off of the sixth place, uh, which is okay. You know, uh, we were just talking about this on Cottage Talk that uh, Fulham just need to keep winning. If they keep winning, uh, hopefully teams around them will start to lose a little bit. So it's on them. They they can keep winning. If they can keep doing that, then they can put themselves in position to potentially get into the top six. But it's really on them to continue to win uh, and get points. They unfortunately did not get a victory last week at Cardiff. They actually just got the draw. But still, a point is a point. You take that. They need to get victories at home. Uh, and they need to continue to do that. My thought is that they really just need to win all of their remaining home matches to give themselves a chance and and still be able to pick up points on the road. But it really is about these home matches. Well, it started yesterday against uh, Preston North End, a, a team that not far behind them at the time. They're only a point behind. And uh, this was a complete full victory, three to one. Uh, but it really, for me, was more about the play. They dictated the play. And we saw a complete victory, a complete team. Uh, they played together as a unit. And uh, it was nice to see because there have been some matches lately that they've had to grind them out. They didn't have to grind this one out. They showed their ability in this match from beginning to end. Uh, and uh, that's what was so pleasing for us foam supporters watching the match. I watched the replay back today and I could really see all pieces fitting together. Uh, Chris Martin came back into the team and he was the focal point. We had pace down each side. So it really flowed very well. You know, we have the players in the central areas that, that really were able to feed off of everyone around them. Like I said, on the wings up front with Martin, it just flowed so well. So that was the best part of the match was just how they played. Uh, and they did not really give Preston North End much time on the ball, uh, which they tend to do anyways. But this was really a dominating performance. Uh, the worrying thing about this match is that you could also see the weaknesses of Fulham is that we still make mistakes. We are still vulnerable to the counter. And that played itself out in this match a little bit. But overall, they really dominated the play and, and came away with a with a three to one victory. Yeah, just quickly before I ask both of you about Chris Martin, I just want to ask you, Russ, about the playoff sure. position because looking at the table now, it looks like uh, Andy said he he didn't think Derby were in in the race for playoffs anymore, and, and Norwich and Preston are only one point ahead of Derby, so it would take some quite something for those two to get into the playoffs as well. So it looks like Fulham are the only team that have a realistic chance of breaking into that top six. So if that is the case. Which team in that top six are you sort of looking at uh, displacing? Which one do you think is the most likely to be displaced by Fulham? It's very interesting because you would say the closest is Sheffield Wednesday, but I don't think that that is the team that uh, that has the best chance to drop out. I think the team that has the best chance to drop out is Leeds United. Uh, Leeds United are a solid team, and uh, I have to give Gary Monk a good amount of credit because they are tough to beat. And they take advantage of your uh, mistakes. You know, that's why this match coming up is going to be interesting because they have a striker that that's what he does. He's a very good striker in Chris Wood. But uh, I see 
the team most likely to fall out is Leeds United, followed closely by Reading. I, I think Reading has a chance to fall out as well. We have a game in hand on uh, on uh, these teams right now. We're, we played one less game. So when we face Leeds United, if we beat them and then uh, then we follow that up the following week against Blackburn, of course, we're going to be facing your team on, on the weekend, uh, Jake. But the matches coming up against Leeds United at home and then Blackburn at home are, are vital for Fulham. Like I said, they need to win these matches. These home matches are vital. Uh, so I think we have a chance. Uh, I, massive match on, on Tuesday night against Leeds United. They win that match, uh, then things really tighten up. Yeah, that is interesting. I, I have a slightly different opinion on the players, but I'll get onto that okay. a little bit later. Uh, just now, I just want to ask each of you sort of any updates on the Chris Martin situation, because I saw Andy put a tweet out there earlier about how maybe if, if uh, Fulham do go up through the playoffs, that that might change it completely. But I'll, I'll just sort of give my view on it first, but sure. for, for being an outsider. From knowing what I do about Fulham... Uh, that sort of approach of analytics. I think if Fulham did go up, they would have a, a target higher than Chris Martin. That would be my view. So I just want to know your views. Are you sort of thinking that there's a bit more to run in this target yet and it's possible that you could stay at Fulham? It's, it's interesting. I really don't know at this point. Uh, I actually interviewed uh, Vice Chairman and Director of Football Operations, Tony Khan, and I asked him about Chris Martin and... Uh, and he actually had some very good things to say about Chris Martin. He he likes Chris Martin a great deal. He said that on the show. I, I was uh, uh, very interested in his words. He he has no bad feelings. He actually feels very positive about Chris Martin and made it clear that uh, that they have the option to buy. He made this clear uh, that that it's up to them. And uh, so I don't know what they're going to do with Chris Martin. Uh, if they get promoted, I guess, you know, I think that's why everything is still is still open to them with this situation is that they hold the card and uh, they can see how things play out at the end of the season. And uh, what he told me, because I asked him outright, I said, why did you decide on the loan deal instead of the permanent deal? And he liked the deal. He liked having the options. Basically, I'm paraphrasing, but but uh, they can, you know, they can make the call. They can make the call at the end of the season. So that's um, it, it'll be interesting to see what they do on this. Uh, you know, if they do go up, you know, knock on wood, they go up. I don't know if uh, they would hold on to Chris Martin, but uh, I'll worry about that, Jake, if they get there. Yeah, and Andy, what are your sort of views? Do you sort of agree with that somewhat? You see, I mean, there's a lot of re- conflicting reports now because. Initially, it was two and a half to three million pound loan fee, and I understood it to be uh, if they purchased him an overall nine nine million. Now I've, I've, I've been reading today. No, it's two and a half million loan fee and a further nine million if they sign him. But you see, I you know I don't pretend I don't pretend to be an expert in the complexities of the loan system. Now, I think what really, um, what restricts restricts us in saying what we believe will happen is not knowing what the actual loan agreement was. Because like you say, 
um, everybody seems to state that Fulham have an option to purchase, right? Now, with that option to purchase, that was obviously part of the loan agreement. Now, if Chris Martin has signed a loan agreement, which gives Fulham all the power saying, right, if we want to buy you, you've got to sign for us. The length of uh, what the contract would be, you know, if Fulham's got all that power, then obviously um, the contract that he signed for Derby County in January is not worth the paper it's written on. However, you could take it from a, a different perspective that uh, he signed a loan contract and Fulham have the option to purchase if Chris Martin wants to stay, um, which, uh, you know, I, I don't know if this is the agreement, but I'm baffled. If that is the agreement, why has he signed this new contract with Derby County? You know, it, it really is a mess. And uh, whichever one of those it is, I mean, if it's the first scenario that I mentioned, and all of a sudden he, he decides, well, I don't care, I'm not staying. You know, you, you could have a, a bit of a messy legal battle. But I don't believe that Fulham would have signed him on loan with an option to purchase if Chris Martin hadn't signed an agreement with that in, you know, within. But, but we don't know. I mean, me and Russ can only sit here and speculate what it is. And... I listened to the interview with Tony Khan. It was quite an honest interview. I, I thought he came across very well. But he didn't really elaborate any of the great details. I suspect um, there's probably something going on in the background because I can understand why Fulham want to keep him. And obviously, I can understand why Steve McLaren wants him back. But, I mean, I actually did a piece for the local newspapers about this, uh, which I think went on the website on Saturday. So if you've got a chance, you know, give it a read. Uh, a, a crafty little plug there. But uh, I think it's going to be a case of uh, we're going to have to sit and wait and see. Yeah, that's, that's very interesting. I'll definitely check out the, the interview that Ross did and, and that, because it's it's interesting to me as a neutral to see how, where this one does go. Um, but, the, you know, there's, it, there are complexities in every transfer deal and, and loan deals and such. So we're, we're going to have to wait to the end of the season. All we could do now is speculate, but it's definitely an interesting one. Uh, but for me, I, I think the thing that changed it was the managerial change at Derby, wasn't it? I think that's the, that's the big the big change in, in this situation. If Nigel Pearson was still manager at Derby, I don't think we'd have been having any of these problems at all. But we'll oh, see no. how this one goes. Absolutely not. Exactly. I mean, <laughs> can, I, can I just say, uh, a recent? If, if you look at the performances over the past three seasons in the Championship, Chris Martin's a number one striker. So <laughs> I can see why there's a tug of war going on. But anyway... Before we get too far into the Chris Martin chat, we'll move on to, to Newcastle. <laughs> I've, I've been waiting all week to talk about these two results because it's probably been <laughs> probably one of my favourite weeks as a Newcastle fan, to be honest. It's probably one of the best weeks the championship side has ever had to go away to the teams in second and third and to get two wins and sort of consolidate. You were not confident, Jake. I remember listening. You were not confident. <laughs> <laughs> I was not confident, no, but... I was thinking about you while watching this. You were not confident. No, I was not confident, but I think that's 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 sort of my inner... It's sort of just my default 
or set it as a Newcastle fan because we always disappoint. But I did, I did tweet last weekend. I said that I thought it would be typical Newcastle if we went and beat Brighton, Huddersfield, and Reading away, and then lost to Fulham at home. I could see that happening. Like it's, it would be sort of typical Newcastle to do that, and it, it, it's not totally unlikely now. But we'll start with the Brighton game because I went to get that game, and it, it was, it was an interesting one because Brighton should have had all the confidence in the world they took the lead early you know they've not lost at home um after taking the lead for such a long time but after they scored that goal I thought that there was only really one team that was going to win it I mean I didn't see where our goals were going to come from but we were definitely the better team on the evening we had more shots more possession more I think we created the better chances and it was just a perfect tactical display from Benitez he he, he didn't he didn't sort of panic when things were going wrong that the people in the away end were getting a bit you know, fidgety, demanding Mitrovic to come on and demanding changes. But he, he sort of kept it till the 75th minute until he brought Daryl Murphy on. And it seemed like he, he'd been planning to do that the whole time. He he'd allotted that time for Daryl Murphy to come on and sort of be that impact sub because he, he can't play at that intensity for a whole 90 minutes because due to his age and sort of his physique and things like that. But for 15 minutes, he was excellent. And, you know, he made the difference. He, he sort of created the corner first goal and that first goal although it been probably the luckiest goal I've ever seen um, it was probably deserved I think we deserved to get back into the game at that point we'd created a lot of good chances hand taken them and as soon as that went in sort of the Brighton fans they they, they just I think everyone in that stadium that there was only going to be one winner and as soon as scored the winner uh, the stadium emptied and you know Brighton didn't look like they were going to get an equaliser at all after that and it was a great performance sort of beating Brighton you know if, if we at 79 minutes on that day, we were looking perilously like we were going to have a massive fight to get promotion. We were going to fall closer to Huddersfield. Then we would have went to Huddersfield with sort of a less confidence. We might have lost that one as well. So it's a crucial 10 minutes. But on the on reflection of the game, I'd say we deserved it. And then going to Huddersfield yesterday, it wasn't as great a, a footballing performance, but an even better tactical performance for me. Huddersfield, everyone knows how they play. They're always going to dominate They've, they're very good at that. That's the way David Wagner wants his team to play. I think they have some some ridiculous stats, sort of like 72% possession or something like that. They had a lot more shots, but they didn't create anything real, I don't think. Um, a lot of their shots were from open play, uh, from outside the area. They weren't creating anything clear-cut. And I think we'd still, we could still be playing right now and they wouldn't have scored a goal from open play. We were that good defensively. Um, we took our chances when they came to us. Um, the penalty, we, we, we took that when it, when it came. We don't often get penalties, so that was a surprise. And then Daryl Murphy, the goal that he scored, I don't think it should have been ruled out for offside, despite what the Huddersfield, uh, no, for a foul on the goalie, despite what the Huddersfield fans have said. But that was a great goal from him, a great finish. And then Dwight Gale sort of wrapped up at the end with, you know, with their key coming out and that was sort of a, a stupid decision and sort of showed the, the naivety in Huddersfield played so you know we're now top of the table I think we're 11 points clear of Huddersfield five clear of Brighton I I can sit here and say we could go up I'm 100% certain of that I don't want the players to have that point of view obviously but I, I can't see us not going up and I, we'll probably win the league from this position so it's, it's been a great week and hopefully it carries on next week against Reading and uh, Fulham hopefully although you know we can't hopefully keep not. winning games <laughs> If we beat Reading, then uh, yeah, we, we, I wouldn't be surprised if we drop points against Fulham. But as I want Fulham to get into that, those playoffs, I maybe give you that. Although, oh, thank you. <laughs> probably not. Probably not. But we'll <laughs> see how that goes. But yeah, just just moving into the topics for today, I just want to ask each of you instead of sort of we're doing our not sort of checking on the championship table instead of going to uh, in each possession and everything. I just want to talk about 
are there any teams that you can see sort of dropping off or, or, or rising up either at the top of the league or the bottom of the league? Uh, Brighton obviously have lost their last two games and, and their fans would be worried that they might choke again like they did last season. So that's a team that we need to need to talk about. So we'll start with them. What are your sort of views on them at the moment? Yeah, uh, it's interesting that you mentioned Brighton because pre-game yesterday with our, our, our usual uh, kind of stellar experts sat pre-game. We were talking about, you know, the top six. And last season, you know, when Brighton slipped out of the automatic into the playoffs, I says they're going to choke now. They're not going to go up. I can see it happening again. Now, I don't wish it on them. I think Chris Hewton's uh, a smashing guy. But they, they really, really have got to get their act together quickly. You know, a couple of bad results. And that and that... And, you know, let's be honest, that was a terrible result on Saturday, uh, losing at Nottingham Forest. And, you know, they've got to pull themselves together quickly. Otherwise, they are going to slip back into the uh, playoff spots and we could have a case of deja vu. As for the top six, I a, a couple of weeks ago, I fancied Sheffield Wednesday would maybe drop out of them. But uh, all of a sudden, uh, they've got Jordan Rhodes now. has got his scoring boots on. I think they'll stay there. I think that Leeds will stay there, provided they keep Chris Wood fit. Um, if anybody's going to slip out, it's going to be Reading. Now, the only team realistically at the moment with a chance of sneaking in there is Fulham. They have a chance. And, uh, you know, they're going to have to work for it. And they're going to have to work very hard. For it as well. I mean, they've got some tough games coming up. They've got Newcastle. Uh, we've got to play Fulham as well. But when you look at the other end of the table, Rotherham and Wigan, for me, are doomed. That other place. Now, Burton Albion were the team that I tipped to slide in there. They've ground out some results lately. It might be them. It might be another team. But, you know, that's how I see it. And... Uh, I'll be interested to know what you guys think. Okay, well, I'll go on Brighton. Uh, Andy, I'm there with you uh, on Brighton. I'm sorry, did I, did I jump in too much here? Should I start over? Jake? Start over. Okay. All right. On Brighton, I, I actually agree with you, Andy. I, I could see deja vu. I could see it happening again. Uh, what's interesting about them is that I feel that they have this small margin for error they play a certain way uh they're very organized they're very disciplined but when things don't go their way do they have a plan b do they have a way to get themselves out of it so they could go on a slide so i i see where you're going on i could actually see huddersfield town taking that place uh above them that could happen uh but we'll have to see uh, I've already mentioned the teams that, that I think that are in danger. I still think Leeds United are, are in danger. And then, of course, Reading. Uh, Sheffield Wednesday, I, I feel confident that, that they're going to stick for the reasons that uh, Andy mentioned. Uh, at, at the bottom of the table, those two teams are, are, are definitely going down, I feel. And the third team, it, it really it, it, it's up for grabs. Uh, it could be several teams. You know, uh, Even a team like Wolves are, are in danger. Uh, Blackburn... So that's going to be one to uh, to watch, and uh, you know, I I wouldn't I wouldn't rule out uh, Burton Albion sticking because uh, 
I think they're a decent side, so I wouldn't rule them out at all. Uh, I, I think they could, they could find a way to uh, to stay in the league. Uh, but but that's going to be one to follow that third team. Yeah, I'd I'd, I'd agree on Brighton. I, I think I seeing Newcastle against both Brighton and Huddersfield in the in the last week, I think Huddersfield impressed me more. And, and I think I saw today that Shane Duffy might have broken his foot or ankle. Or something. He's got quite a serious injury. So that's a massive blow to Brighton, especially as Connor Goldson has sort of got his own problems. So I'm not sure how much cover they've got at centre-back. So that's going to be huge. And it'll be interesting to see what will happen there. The, the one saving grace for them is their fixture list doesn't look too hard over the rest of the season. I think they've only got leads to play in, in the top six. And I think that, you know... that. They're not pretty good at beating the teams near the bottom of the table. I know they lost to Forest, although for, for all intents and purposes, I, I think the game wasn't a 3-0 uh, a game. I think it was a, a bit of an unfair reflection of what happened. Uh, it seems like they were sort of suffering from losing it so late against us and that, that impacted on their result of the weekend. But I, I'm pretty sure they'll get it back. I'd still favour them slightly just because of their six-point advantage. It's much better to have points on the board, even though Huddersfield have a game in hand so I favor them slightly but it is a little bit concerning uh, but on the playoffs I, I think the only team that is realistically going to drop out is going to be Reading I think Leeds are too good at home Chris Wood keeps scoring goals you know they, they, they don't draw many games if they lose they also win and, and as Louis pointed out on a, on a few podcasts uh, that a draw in this division isn't much good at all you might as well go for the win and, and lose than get the draw a point doesn't do that much so I think it that I think Leeds will be fine if they lose to Fulham on Tuesday. I'm sure they'll go and win next weekend. So, like I, I'm not too concerned about them. Reading at the team, I think they've overachieved a lot. They've had a lot of luck in a lot of games, and when they play big teams, they struggle. I think they struggled against Brighton. They were destroyed at the Annex. I think it was the last weekend. Uh, yeah, I, I just can't see them maintaining it. I think they were so very lucky to sort of win at the weekend as well. I think the I can't remember who they played, but I, I think they were they, they from red. They were quite lucky to get the three points, and we've got them on Tuesday. So you know, hopefully, we could do your favour, us and, and beat Reading, and then if Please. we beat you next weekend, it's sort of it's sort of <laughs> no, negated no, no, no. the loss. <laughs> so hopefully, we we can. I I think Reading is going to be the team to drop out, and I can see Fulham okay. getting in in the top six. In terms of relegation, it's I fear for Bristol City. I mean, I know they came to St James Park a couple of weeks ago and, and got a good result uh, maybe should have won that day but they just keep losing games and sort of the lack of the sort of inactivity towards their manager is a little bit concerning Lee Johnson is not doing anything at all to show that he can turn this around they drew to Burton yesterday I think he had a similar run as Barnley manager uh, Barnsley manager when he was there he kept, kept losing games so he doesn't seem to be able to turn around the slide and now they've into the relegation zone, it seems like the right time to make that change. Although I'm not really sure who's out there to come in. I don't think Gary Rowett would really want to take that job at the moment. So, be interesting to see what happens there. But yeah, I, I fear for Bristol City, and, and I fear for Reading. Uh, just one question before we move on. I just want, want to ask you about Norwich because for me, I can see them. I think they're the only team sort of in that clump of teams, believe Fulham, that have the players and the experience of going on a run to get into the playoffs. They did it before under Alex Neal. And I wouldn't completely rule them out. They score a lot of goals. And if they sort of sort out the defence, they might be able to do it. So do you sort of think they've got any chance at all? Or, or should we rule them out? Yes, for Norwich, uh, up to this weekend, I, I fancied that uh, they were capable of gate-crashing the top six. Dreadful result um, at Sheffield Wednesday. 
Um, I think they're just running out of steam now. They've, they've put a good run together with some very good results. But I, I think it's just going to be a little bit too late for them now. Yeah, uh, Norwich City are a very interesting side because uh, they do have the talent to uh, to get in there, to, to leapfrog us uh, at foam. They do. They have the talent. But uh, is it too late? Indy could be right on that. Uh, they're starting to teeter at the worst possible time. So it's going to be tight for them, just like it's going to be tight for us. But uh, I wouldn't rule them out. No, I don't think I would either. I think they've got a chance, but they do need to be nearly perfect from now until the end of the season, which is a, a difficult job for any team in this division. So it's certainly interesting to see how that one goes. Just before we move into player watch, I just want to quickly ask you uh, about a player in your squad that you th- that you expected more from this season, um, because we all come in all come into the season expected a lot from from certain players, and they do sometimes disappoint. Uh, we spoke a couple of weeks ago about players that had improved uh, on this podcast. So just want to go for the other the other side and see is, is there any player that sort of disappointed you this year and somebody that you expected more from? We'll start with you on this one, Ross. Uh, I would have to say Ragnar Sigurdsson. Uh, we were looking for two solid center backs to come in. Tomas Kallis has been excellent uh, on loan from Chelsea. Uh, but we also expected Sigurdsson to be the other side, to uh, to, to be his uh, his uh, other part of that, that pairing. But it hasn't worked out. And uh, Tim Ream has, uh, has taken his role. And for whatever reason, coming from the Russian League to the championship, I don't think it's translated, and uh, he's the one player that has been a disappointment for me. I mean, been a real disappointment because I expected it to be Collis and Sigurdsson, and it's been Collis and Reem. So, so he's been a disappointment. Something about him that that actually uh, many of my co-hosts have uh, definitely pointed out is that he doesn't jump well as a as a center back. You you know you would expect him to to be able to uh, to jump, and he doesn't. He actually he actually stays on the ground, which is a which has been a little bit of a problem, and he's been prone to make mistakes. So, he's been the player that has been the biggest disappointment. But we haven't had that many. We we brought in fourteen players this summer, but he's the one that has stood out for me. Yeah, the same question to you, Andy. Has there been anybody at Derby that you expected more from, and and they just haven't produced this season? Um, up until a couple of weeks ago, uh, I was very disappointed with the contribution made by Jacob Huddersfield. We brought him in last season from Huddersfield, big money. Um, he showed some flashes last season. And you, you normally do give a, a player a settling in period, you know, when they join the side. He came with a reputation of being an attacking midfielder. This season, you know, he, he's really disappointed a lot. Uh, there's been games where he seems to have gone missing. Picked up the last couple of games. He came on Saturday and uh, he, he made a, a couple of great passes um, across out to, to people like Tommins playing wide out on the wing. But uh, I really would like to see more from him for the, for the money that we spent on him. You know, Huddersfield Town fans were up in arms when they sold him to us. And uh, when I was talking to one about how disappointed I am with him, they said, you must be playing him wrong. Well, <laughs> maybe we are, maybe we're not. But uh, hopefully the last couple of games is going to be a sign of things to come and uh, we can get the player that uh, we thought we'd bought. 
Yeah, for Newcastle, I mean, there's, there's a couple I could talk about, but I'll just focus on one because it's it's, it's been a major disappointment for me. Uh, when we were relegated, there was a f- few players I wanted to keep at the club, uh, and one of them was Alexander Mitrovic. I thought he'd done okay in the Premier League. He, he wasn't bad. He wasn't great. He did fine. And considering it was his first season, a struggling team, you know, and at his age, I think he came in at 21. So you have to sort of give him time and he was fine so I wanted him to have a year in the championship and maybe develop in the same way that Colaccini did uh, just one example Colaccini did last time we were in the championship he he had a bad season the Premier League came down and sort of became one of the best centre-backs we've had at the club in, in recent times so I was hoping sort of something similar would happen to Mitrovic it just hasn't he, he's been behind Dwight Gale from the start of the season Dwight Gale has been scoring goals and then you know Mitrovic when he's had chances at the start of the season, he was fine, and then now he's he's sort of dropped off. He missed he's missed a lot of chances in the recent run with Gale being out. He he, he missed one against Derby that was quite clear cut. He's missed some in other matches as well. One against Norwich. Um, there's no doubt in his passion. He definitely has that. When we scored the win against Brighton, he was the first one to go and celebrate despite being on the bench. You know he was. He, he really, he, I love him as a personality, but as a player, he's just not giving enough, uh, and it's amplified so much more when you see what Daryl Murphy's doing. Who is just—he's been a Championship striker his whole career. He's never going to go and play in the Premier League to a huge extent. He might do with us; it's yet to be seen. But when he plays, he just offers so much more than Mitrovic. He, he does more running. He, he closes down more. He, he 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 makes more tackles. He scores more goals. It's it's, it's difficult to, to see to see a comparison between those two, considering. Mitrovic was once considered one of the best striking talents in Europe, and he's just not done it. And it, it speaks volumes that he wasn't even in the squad yesterday. Uh, even though Gale was back, I mean, in, in a game like against Huddersfield, it, some managers would have wanted to have two strikers on the benches in case they had to go for it. He just was not interested in having Mitrovic there. So I think it's safe to say he's not going to be at the club next season and whatever happens. And that is a disappointment for me because I, I, I did I was quite excited when we signed him, but. Uh, in recent weeks, I've just gone 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 cold on him. I, I just wouldn't care if he left. So that's been the major disappointment for me. Jake, I want to ask you about DeAndre Yedlin. Uh, he's a player that uh, you know came over from America to Tottenham. It didn't work out there. Then went to Sunderland and eventually went over to you. Has he worked out? DeAndre Yedlin has probably been one of the most players I've seen Newcastle in a long time when he joined uh, he was good he had a lot of energy he got forward well but defensively it's questionable but it, it I'd say over the last month month and a half he's really established himself as, as our first choice right back he didn't play against Huddersfield but I think that was sort of a rotation thing more than him being dropped he's been excellent he he, he gets up and down the pitch quickly he's remarkably quick his tactical sort of knowledge has come on leaps and bounds under Benitez. He, he's very good defensively now. He contributes a lot going forward. Uh, he's sort of at the per- he's the perfect modern sort of day fullback in the championship now. He gets he's good in both halves of the pitch. He's quick. He can cover ground. And he, he seems to be like a great character as well. He's, I've really taken to him. So yeah, he's, he's improved a lot and I think he's only going to improve more under Benitez. It'll be interesting right. to see whether he can if he can make that next step up to the Premier League. And I know he's okay at Sunderland but he wasn't Great. So it'd be interesting if he can make that step. But if, if he keeps sort of listening to Benitez, I can only see him improve more. Oh, that's so great. He, yeah, he's definitely he's definitely been a success, one hundred percent. 
But we will now move on to player watch where we'll have a few minutes to discuss players that have impressed and disappointed at our clubs this week. Um, I know Derby and Newcastle had a couple of fixtures. So if you want to talk about players from, from Tuesday's game, Andy, feel free. So we'll start with you on this one. Who, who sort of impressed and disappointed at Derby this week? Yeah, looking back at the uh, Blackburn game, all the players bar David Nugent, Tom Ince, Chris Baird, you know, the, the the rest just weren't at the races. And uh, it was a very disappointing display. But uh, I'll hastily move along to uh, play a watch on who's impressed us. And that would be Chris Baird. Now, last season, he, he didn't have a very good time of it. Fans were on his back. And to be quite honest, you know, he didn't play well. This season, he had to come in, first of all, to cover for Cyrus Christie at right back when he was injured. did a fantastic job. He's now had to move to the centre-half position. And uh, he's, he's in the role which Richard Keogh has left because he's, he's, he's one of the two centre-halves who's injured along with Jason Shackle. His tackling, his reading of the game, his distribution has been absolutely superb. For me, he was the best player on the pitch yesterday. And, and Russ told me at Fulham, he was a good, solid player. Yep. And it, it, it's, evidence, it's evidence that his experience uh, and his wise old head as a pro is now coming into play. And uh, I'm absolutely delighted. And I, I would say I would, I would like to count the votes when we have our end of the season player of the season. Because for me, he would definitely get in the top three. And a lot of the fans, you know, they've said, we, we, we gave him stick last year because he was poor. But they're, they're astounded at the turnaround. And, uh, you know, we're now thankful that uh, he's part of our squad. Last year, we loaned him out to Fulham. Uh, this season, he's been asked to do a job. And he's come in and done it. So, uh, you know, full credit to the guy. Delighted to see it. You know, I don't like criticising players, but I will criticise players when they play poorly. But uh, on the other side of the coin, they, they, they get down to it and they, they string a, a run of good performances together and I'll be amongst the first to praise them. But, you know, well done. Well done, Chris Baird. For me, it, it's, uh, it's one of these rare matches where I don't have anyone that I could say that has disappointed Fulham because it really this was a team effort and uh, there wasn't anyone that stood out negatively. Positively, I, I have several choices, but I'd have to go with Niskins Cabano, who scored a goal and was uh, was vital in a second goal, assisting Sone Aluko. I, I could have very easily gone with Aluko as well, but for me, it's Cabano because uh, what's interesting with what's going on with Fulham, uh, we think that that possibly our depth would come into play, a lack of depth, because we, we recently had an injury to uh, to a player. And then, of course, uh, another player, Floyd Aite, is going to be out for for a couple matches. But uh, but he's filled in great, and he has uh, shown us the ability to score goals. So uh, I would have to say Niskins Cabana was the player that stood out for me most in the last match. Yeah, for me, I, I guess you'll be not surprised to, to hear I don't have anybody to criticise. Uh, 
I mean, Shocker. it's impossible to do so after after those two results. I can't do it, even if anyone did. So I'll just talk about three players that impressed for different reasons. Uh, the first is Matt Ritchie. He was excellent in both games. He's been excellent for a few months now. He sort of had a down period around Christmas time, but he's really picked up. And he's 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 exactly the player that I thought we were getting now. And he's really stepping up. He's so so reliable in possession. He creates chances. He scores goals. He's a leader on the pitch. He's everything that Newcastle have lacked. He may not be that dynamic. He might not be quick. He doesn't really beat players very often. But he's so intelligent. And I think intelligence is worth so much more than the other things. And that leadership as well. I think he's going to be a big player for us over the next few seasons. And it's been great to see. Uh, sort of the highlight for me was his pass for the for the, the winning goal at Brighton. Uh, what makes a lot of people may not know was that the wind was mental that night. It was completely going against it and he, he played an inch perfect pass uh, cross field ball to Christian Atsu who then squared it to, to Perez and we got the winner and it was one of the best bits of individual skill I think I've seen this season from a Newcastle player and for him to sort of pull it off at that moment uh, in such a big game so it shows what what sort of character he is so he, he's been one Daryl Murphy he had a great impact at Brighton and then stuck, played excellent yesterday did exactly what was required of him in, and, you know, he's played a massive part in two massive fixtures now, and it shows exactly why we bought him. Five million might have been a bit too much, but Rafa has bought him in for a reason, and he's done exactly what what, what we need him to do. So he deserves praise, and, and Paul Dummett as well. He's probably one, he, alongside Yedlin, he's been one of the most improved players this season at Newcastle. He, he'd been at the club for a while. He's a local boy. He supports Newcastle. And he's one of the first to get stick from a lot of supporters because he's not exciting to watch. He doesn't beat players. He doesn't get forward. He doesn't contribute too much on the ball. But as a defender, I don't think there's many better fullbacks in the championship. I think uh, Anthony Knockhart didn't get past him once yesterday. Uh, no, not yesterday. On, on Tuesday, sorry. And then yesterday, he wasn't beaten again. And he sort of had found the power of running at him. Is Izzy uh, is Brown, you know, they're two good players. And, and they didn't get anything out of Paul Dummett. And I think he's been excellent this season. And this is all the credit coming his way. But before we wrap up today, I just want to quickly preview the games we've got this week. Uh, we'll start with you, Russ. Uh, you talked about it briefly earlier. You've got a home match against Leeds United. What is your prediction for this one? Listen, this is a, a massive match. Actually, the next two matches, uh, Slavica Jokanovic uh, talked about after the match and his uh, head coach reaction that, that uh, I'm paraphrasing, but these two matches against Leeds United and, of course, Newcastle United are a great test to really see where Fulham are. Uh, these are two quality teams. Uh, I feel confident with a Leeds United match. We, we played them really early on in the season, and I just think this is a matchup situation where our speed and our balance uh, really could be a factor here against against this team. The one fear I have is Chris Wood uh, because Chris Wood just scores goals, and we have the ability to make the mistake, and he will take advantage of the mistake. But I'm actually going to go with a 3-1 to one form victory. It's a match they need to win. Like I mentioned, if they're serious about getting into the top six, they need to win these home matches. You've already talked about that, uh, that a draw is not really good in the championship. I think it's okay on the road, but at home, I think you want to win all of your home matches and, and not go away with a point. So for me, they need all three points. So I'm going with a 3-1 to one form victory. Yeah, and Andy, uh, Derby have got a home match against Preston North End, sort of another club in a similar position to you. How do you see this one going? Uh, well, we got a rare uh, Pearson win at Preston earlier on in the season. 
albeit a very lucky one. Um, they're a well-organised side. Um, they they seem to do the homework. Uh, it, it, it's a bit of an unknown because uh, I watch quite a lot of championship football and Preston's probably one of the teams I've rather stupidly, you know, not watched them much of. Overall, I mean, experience should tell you that the teams, when they're, when they're announced on paper, we should win. But, you know, football matches aren't won on paper. I am hopeful of a win. I will take a, a one-goal victory there. Um, that's what uh, I think will be the end scenario. And I'll, I'll be very interested to see if players can keep this 4-4-2 formation working. And then if things aren't going the way, how quickly they can shift, you know, back into the more attacking 4-3-3. But it's it, it's a game where I think a lot of our fans will be looking very carefully, very interested to see if, if Saturday was a one-off and uh, we, we sink back into the slump, or we can pick up again and uh, try and try and finish the season and as, as high as we can. But uh, we've got a bigger game coming up after that. <laughs> Yeah, Newcastle, we've got an, a trip to Reading to sort of round off our, our three away fixtures. Uh, we got two wins so far. And Reading are probably the, the, the easiest game of the three. I, I'm not... People who listen to this podcast will know I, I don't think they're very good at all. And I think their league position, it's a bit of a lie. So I I think we should probably go to Reading and get the win. I, I'm, I'm pretty confident on that. Dwight Gale will be back in the starting 11. Uh, he'll be eager to sort of get back on the goals where Chris Wood has sort of moved ahead of him in, in on the goal scoring chart. So he'll, he'll be he'll be up for it. And I, I think we beat them 5-1 at St. James Park. And I, I wouldn't be too surprised to see a similar result at Reading, if I'm honest. We probably won't do that. We, but I mean, I, I think we, we should win by three goals. I think we're very good away from home, much better than we are at home, which brings me quickly to, to the final question I've got for you, Russ, before we, we wrap up the pod. You know, sure. you, you, you're, you're come to St. James Park next weekend. I just want to sort of know your opinion as a visiting fan, what you sort of think of, of your hopes at St. James Park, because it's, it's, we're much worse at home than we are away from home. And you've already beaten us this season, so that gives you a little bit of, of, of momentum as well. So what are your sort of views on that one going into that? Well, I, I look at this differently, Jake. I, I see going to St. James's Park as, like I said, a wonderful test for form football club. I see this as... Uh, a real match of wits, talking about about our managers going at it. And uh, I'm fascinated by this match because I can't predict it. I think it's going to be very even, and I'm looking forward to the challenge. I know you're saying that you're not that good at home, but um, I just really, I, I see this as, this is the match I really want to see. Uh, you know, two teams going at it, you know, there's going to be the revenge factor for you. So, uh, I think this is going to be one of these matches that could be two to one, one nil. I think it's going to be close, like it was the first time. I think uh, I th- think Benitez after the first matchup really will respect him, so he'll be prepared. And uh, I and I know uh, Jokanovic will. So this is fascinating because uh, I have a lot of respect for your club, and uh, I know that that your club will respect ours. So. It, this is a match I wish was televised because I think it's going to be a great match. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree. It's going to, it's 
a very good match. If we win Reading, then sort of the problem for Fulham maybe, as opposed to other teams that have come to St James's Park, is I don't think there will be the, the sort of tenseness in the crowd. I don't think the, the crowd will get on the players' back so much, and they, they won't right. be so nervous, and they might be getting behind the team more, which may free the players up, and they might play a lot better than they have been. So that's the only fear I would have as a Fulham fan, but it's definitely right. one of the standout fixtures of, of that sort of game week. So it's definitely one to watch out for. And, and see what happens but with that we are now out of time so if each of you want to tell people where they can reach you or any projects you're involved in now be a good time hi andy buckley taylor representing derby county on the podcast uh you can find me on twitter at book taylor 64 and and also i'm a blogger for the derbyshire times group of newspapers okay i am russ goldman i do a show about football club it is called cottage talk you can follow me on twitter russ underscore goldman and also at cottage talk all together and we recently on cottage talk did an interview with vice chairman and director of football operations tony khan of Fulham football club i highly recommend you checking out the show at blogtalkradio.com slash cottage talk listen to the interview and certainly let me know what you think of it i, I found it fascinating he was with us for 35 minutes and uh, and shared some very interesting information about the club, his thoughts about the club, his involvement in the club. Uh, if you want to hear hear someone, you know, the someone on management of a football club being on a podcast, well, listen to Cottage Talk. Yeah, it's definitely one I'm going to check out this week, and I'll definitely tell you what I think of that. But if you you want to reach me, I, I'm at Jake Jackman with two N's on Twitter. All right, for EPL Index and The Boot Room, both good sides, check them out. Uh, and, bef- and I just want to thank Andy and Russ for coming back on the podcast again. I'm sure we'll have you both back on before the end of the season. Uh, I just want to thank you all for listening, and we hope you join us again soon. Yeah.